Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Went with the whole green look today. Uh, slightly sad. The mustache. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Don't you bet do your that mustache on a game. Like wispy, and it's like it's like porn star mustache. Like like you're on the back of a milk carton mustache. You got to go through that stage before you get it back to what it was. It's a sad day. <laughs> Dude, I had that thing for like two months. That thing was thick. When I shaved it, it came off part of it in one big chunk. Like it was a full-on chunk of hair. It was gross. That's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> Did your girlfriend, was she, was she happy about you shaving it off or was she upset about it? She was thrilled. She I, was I thrilled. Yeah, I kind of figured yeah. that's the way this was going. I, I one time, as a joke, um, I, would, I was trimming up my beard and I – I just decided on a whim, like, you know what? I'm just going to shave it off. Like I, I never really had facial hair, uh, except for, uh, maybe a brief time in college. And then, um, when I met my, well, at the time, girlfriend, now wife, she was like, Oh, you should, you know, I, I like, I like a little stubble, whatever. So I, I grew it out for her essentially. And then I just got used to it. Now I, now I feel like weird without it, but, um, I shaved it once probably uh, a couple of years ago just to see, you know, and I was shaving it. And I started like one side, other side, whatever. And I shaved it down to just the mustache as a joke and went out and started talking to her. And it took her about 20 seconds to realize like, she's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And she's like, you need, you need to go back in the bathroom and shave that thing immediately. You look like you should be brought up on charges, which I agree. I think that's probably the truth. I say leave the flavor saver. Leave just the oh, flavors. No. Let, let them know you're here to party. Well, I'll tell you what. Your day's tough because of the mustache. My day is fine. Uh, but we're both having better days than a certain safety in Kansas City right now who decided to talk a lot of smack last week about the Bengals, about how he was going to shut them down and the defense was going to shut them down. And then the defense promptly went out and forced one punt and gave up 431 yards and 27 points. You could knock it off the field in the fourth quarter and essentially lost the game. And so after the game, after the game, Justin Reed was saying all the right things. I mean, you know, hey, they beat us, so on and so forth. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Move on. And then Tuesday morning happened. And, 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 and I almost called it Andy Reed. Justin Reed decided to fire up Twitter and essentially say, you know, unpopular opinion, but lock them down, cry about it. And I got to tell you, what? Like, I, I am I am blown away. I've had a few people say to me, well, he was talking about his own performance. Bro, I watched the game. I saw Justin Reed twice. I saw him getting slammed to the ground by Samaj P. Ryan. And I, I saw him on the last offensive play of the game, save for the kneel downs, about 15 yards away from where he was supposed to be driving a slant route. They got caught in a, in a really in a great throw and a great catch by Burrow and, and Higgins against Justin Williams. To have the audacity to jump up on Tuesday morning after getting beat because you couldn't stop anybody as a defense. And it's just like, hey, man. Did my job, great leadership, just just great A, awesome. Can you imagine, can you imagine, like, Juju or MBS on the Chiefs 
talking a whole bunch of crap before that game, which, by the way, they would be better off doing because they're on the offense, not on the defense. Talk a bunch of crap. And then they score like three points. But, but you know, let's say it's MVS. But he has like three catches in the game and gets on Twitter on Tuesday. And he's like, hey, man, still was right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's no scenario where that happens. But the chief defense is just apparently completely fine with the way they played. Or at least Justin Reed is completely fine with the way defense played. I shouldn't put that on the rest of the defense. Just, just an abominable choice on a Tuesday morning absolutely Charmin ultra soft it reminds me of I believe it was Monmouth when they were playing Kansas basketball Monmouth is down 50 KU's holding the ball trying to run the clock out dude from Monmouth steals the ball dunks it and then starts just celebrating getting in the Kansas Jayhawks players faces and it's like dog you lost by 50 a 50 burger why are you celebrating that's what Justin Reed just did it's honestly, man, it's so embarrassing. If I was a player on the Chiefs, I'd be you, you need to stop. You need to stop now. Like if I was Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey on that team, or even Chris Jones, who was on defense, but certainly is beyond reproach, I mean, you need to stop talking. And I gotta tell you, if I was Andy Reid, I would be furious. Well, Andy did I know. before this. Andy I know. already That's came out and was like furious. We don't do this on this team. And Houston, you can get away with this. I know Justin Reed did not rate out well in PFF, the eye test, but part of that was being in a horrendous system, right? But sure. you're not going to get ripped on as often because you know why? The whole team is trash. Yeah, you're in Houston. Nobody gives a shit. Like that, that's, I mean, you can't, look, I'm telling you right now, Andy Reed has to be seething based off this. You just talked to him by your own words in the presser on Friday. We don't do that here. We don't do that. He understands that now. I mean, that was the exact word. And now on Tuesday, you're just you're just inciting a lot of people on Twitter. It's a bad look. It's a real bad look. You got your ass beat. You by the way, when you talk smack, you didn't even know what you were talking about. You didn't know the name of the player. You didn't know the guy's name. I mean, it was embarrassing. And then you're the one who steps up and says something after the game? I mean, look, oh, my God, man. Go sit in the corner with your phone off for a little bit and re- recalibrate. Let's get into – so this, this leads into this anyway. The Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals, I think it's fair to say are the three best teams in the conference right now. Dolphins are in the mix. Lost to Brock Purdy. That hurts. Uh, but in the mix. But the three best – Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. Who do you have right now with five weeks to go in the regular season as the best team in the AFC? I feel like the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC, but they've lost to both of these teams. Right. That's what makes it so difficult. I I think Mahomes is the best quarterback, the most impactful position. Uh, I think Travis Kelsey, obviously best tight end, maybe best weapon. If you want to say Stephon Diggs, you can make that case. Jamar Chase, I'll listen to it. The most complete team, you might say Buffalo, but with the way Josh Allen's played since the Chiefs game, been a little bit of a roller coaster. They're finding ways to get it done. Cincinnati Bengals are probably the hottest team of the three, right? After their 0-2 start, they're... they're Eight and two cents. Yep. Uh, it's a really tough question. I, I, I want to say which team's best set up for the playoffs, probably Kansas City best team, but I do think the Buffalo Bills are probably the deepest team on all in all facets of the game, especially when healthy. Yep. 
it, it really, when I wrote it down, I actually stopped and thought about it for a while. I'm like, well, you know, you can make you can make a case for any of them. The Bengals are the defending conference champion. I agree with you. I think the Bills are the most complete roster. I think the Chiefs probably have the highest ceiling. Like, that's what makes it hard with the Chiefs. The Chiefs of the three teams, I think, if, if, if you said to me, all three teams play their best, who wins? I'd say the Chiefs. The problem with the Chiefs is they don't always play their best. The Chiefs have had 12 games this season. They've had turnovers in 10 of them. I, the Chiefs just, they, they make a million mistakes, but they're often bailed out by their greatness. But when you play really good teams, i.e. Buffalo and Cincinnati, you you have problems. Like Ed says in the chat, quarterbacks are pushed. Got to look at everything else. So I, I disagree with that to some extent. Those they, Look, Allen and Burrow are great players. I do not think they're Mahomes. I don't. Mahomes does things that I don't think anybody else in the league can do. But I know what you mean, Ed. There's not a huge advantage out there with a lot of the other teams. I think it really is a, a case of 1A, 1B, 1C in a lot of ways. I think the Chiefs have the highest ceiling. And in my power rankings that I put out today, they are number two in the league behind Philadelphia. Um, I'm a big believer, not just in that, this game, but in general. I don't drop teams a lot for losing on the road against really good teams. I just don't. I think that's like that's where you lose games typically. Um, I have the Bills behind them and then the Bengals. But I will say this. I think the Chiefs are the highest ceiling. I think Buffalo is the most complete team. Um, and I think Cincinnati is right there. So I guess I guess I would say Kansas City just based off of the ceiling of them, but I I will say this though. I think the I the Chiefs are the highest ceiling. I think they're also the most fatally flawed. They do things that beat them. So I I mean it really is tough. I think you could you could make a case, you know, Mighty says it's between the Bengals and the Bills. I it's fair. I, I you can make a case for any of the three. Um but, you know, it's hard. I think you also don't want – I try not to be a prisoner of the moment, too. Like, the Bengals have lost this year to Trubisky and Cooper Rush and Jacoby Brissett and, like, gotten smoked by Jacoby Brissett. You know, like, so they, they, they have – I mean, they've lost four games this year. The Chiefs lost three, and they played the harder schedule. You know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs pounded the 49ers. You know, they went and scored 41 on the Bucs defense. Like – that Bills Chiefs game is about as even as a, of a game as as you can get. Like they just happen to lose it in the last minute. I I don't. And the Chiefs were missing a million guys in that game defensively. I don't know, but I think it's really interesting because I think there are three really really. I think there are five teams that win the Super Bowl. Those three: Philly and Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a lot of separation between any of them. I, I will say the penalties for Kansas City just absolutely kills them. The Bengals yep. have the Chiefs' number, so in a head-to-head matchup, it, it's tough. It's tough to pick Kansas City. We've seen three different iterations of this. We've seen a new secondary for Kansas City. Same result. Something about that matchup behooves Cincy over Kansas City. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Getting into it since you mentioned it, are the Eagles the clear-cut best team in the NFL right now? They're 11-1, and best record. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they have a connection. They're very good uh, running the football. Their defense with Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox. Are they the clear-cut best team in the NFL? I think they are the clear-cut best team in the NFL. I do. Um, I. What do the Eagles not do well? What, what, is, what is it that they don't do particularly well? They ran for 363 yards against the Packers two weeks ago and killed them. They then came back against Tennessee and threw for 386 yards. I mean, that's you play them any way you want to play. They can play the game. You want to you want to let them run? Fine. You want to let them throw it? Fine. You want to let them make you want to make them throw deep? They can do that. You want to make them go underneath? They can do that too. You want to beat them with size? They got AJ Brown. Yards after the catch and Devonta Smith. And defensively, who's got a better corner tandem than Slay and Bradbury? And then you got Johnson Gardner Johnson. You've got a damn good front line. The Eagles are stacked, man. Like, the Eagles – look, I don't think they're, like, so head and shoulders. Like, could I see Buffalo or Cincy or Kansas City going to the Super Bowl and beating them? Yeah. Philly's really good. Like, I, I keep seeing this argument of, like, well, who have they beaten? Look, man, they just beat the piss out of Tennessee, who just fired their general manager, by the way, in John Robinson, which is uh, – Paul dropped into the chat, and it is it's true. Uh, I, I got to say, I'm kind of stunned by that. You're going to win your division. You're in the middle of the year. You fired your GM. That's bizarre. I uh, wonder if there's more to the story than that. That's a weird thing. But I think uh, I think the Eagles are the best team in football. I do. I went into this season saying the Eagles roster is one of the best in the NFL. I just don't believe in Jalen Hurts. Uh, I went in saying Jalen Hurts is a fine quarterback, but I don't think he takes you to that next level. Well, newsflash, he's taking them to the next level. He's now firmly back in that MVP talk with Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. Jalen Hurts finds any way to get it done. You mentioned the Eagles' ability to run the football, pass the football. Which way you want it, they'll give it to you. Our only question was, what do they do when they're down? What do they do when they have to find a way, when they're losing a ball game, to come back? The one real test they had was against Washington because they do get it to fast starts. This is not a knock on the Eagles for scoring quickly. That's what you want to do. But they've not been put in many situations where they have to come from behind. The one real time we saw it against Washington, they weren't able to get it done. Granted, that came with some fluke things. The Dallas Goddard injury slash fumble, uh, which was a face mask. Uh, we saw the, was it Quez Watkins, deep catch over the middle that would have put him into position. He fumbles on a freak, basically freak fumble. This Eagles team is incredible. They are a fluke away from being undefeated at this point. I think they are the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think it's uh, it's fair to look at the Eagles and say, what's what's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? And George asked, what's different with the Eagles on last year? Jalen Hurts is what's different. Yeah. And having A.J. Brown and having Darius Slay. Uh, excuse me, not Slay. Uh, Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And now in Dominican Sue, there's a lot different with Philadelphia. 
Uh, I mean, man, it, it, look, I went inside their offseason. I talked to people around the league and around that team, um, and I wrote a piece on them in July. And they are – I mean, I thought they had the best offseason in football, so I wrote about it. They've been dominant. The funny thing is – I don't mind saying this. I'm sure – I'm not going to use a name or anything, but um, – when I wrote that piece, talking to people around the team, there was a palpable, like, not even palpable. In fact, there was an explicit, like, look, you know, is this a Super Bowl team yet? No, but it's moving in the right direction. So, they're, I mean, they're ahead of even what they thought they were going to be. I mean, they, you know, they thought they'd be good. They didn't think they'd be this good. I, I mean, they, even they, they were optimistic, but they weren't like, we're going to be a Super Bowl favorite. Um, and I think what sped up that timeline is Hurts has just gone from being like, hey, he's pretty exciting, you know, whatever, to like, guys, number two in the MVP race right now. So um, great for them, great for him. They're fun to watch. They're they're a really good team. Um, and they're going to be there. I, I'm, probably my biggest question with them is just when they're in the playoffs, like what does the experience level matter? Does it matter a lot? Does it matter a little? Like if they get Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, like Cincinnati's been there. They see the Chiefs. Like Chiefs have been there twice, you know. I mean, does it, how much does that matter? I saw something on ESPN this morning. I was at the gym. It was one of those morning shows. I forget which one it was, and it was like, yeah, ESPN's uh, analytics have the Cowboys are having a seventeen percent better chance than the Eagles getting the Super Bowl. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like based on what? I, some of this stuff. This is this is why analytics. My God, some of this crap. Just put it in the dustbin of time and, and be done with it. I mean, but. I was uh, I was floored by that. Yeah, I will say something that helps the lack of Super Bowl experience. I know it's not the Super Bowl, but Jalen Hurts has played in some massive games in college. The moment was never too big for him. He's had some incredible performances on the biggest stage. Yep, he's not crumbled, and that's what you want to see out of a quarterback. Again, not Super Bowl, but something to at least keep in mind. Let's look into the future. Number one, will the Forty ers win one playoff game with Brock Purdy? I think it depends on the matchup. Like, I think they're they're so undependent on their quarterback that, like, they could. Um, if they win the division, they're probably the three seed. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get, like, the Giants, the Commanders, or the Seahawks. Yeah, I'll say they win a game. I'll say they win one game. I don't think they're beating Dallas or Philly or anything like that, but I think they'll win one game. 100%. They are the least dependent on a quarterback of any team. Yes. Is Brock Purdy even worse than Jimmy G? Yes. Sure. But yes. do we know that? But how But how much? They tried basically using an unproven commodity in Trey Lance and said, Jimmy G, sorry, you're gone. I mean, we didn't think Jimmy G was going to even be a 49er to start this season. So I get so- it. Jimmy G might be better than Brock Purdy. But I don't think it's some drastic number. Again, they wanted to go with an unproven commodity with this offense and Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo. So I do think, yes, they can win a game. Uh, looking into the future, number two. Over under, Baker Mayfield starts 10 more games in the NFL. So he asked for his release, which is interesting, considering he should maybe be happy he's getting paid. He was awful this year. Here's my concern with, with Mayfield starting 10 more games in the league. You were the number one overall pick in the draft. And you had a decent amount of success in Cleveland. Like, you won their first playoff game since 1994. 
you went to Arrowhead and you didn't get humiliated in the game. The part of that was Mahomes got hurt. Fair enough. But like you were in the game. You had a couple of years statistically where like you were pretty good. And they couldn't move on from you fast enough to give Deshaun Watson $250 million guaranteed. Then you get traded to a team with no quarterback. And that team, before one season was over, was like, we're good, man. P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold, go ahead. My guess is over because quarterbacks get recycled forever. And he'll get some job where he starts six games one year and five games another year. But I got to tell you, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he doesn't start more than a fistful of games the rest of his career. Like, it just feels like this is over. The teams don't want to deal with him. That said, I think because he's a quarterback and he's got a pedigree, some team will, you know, some team will give him a shot to at least come in and compete. He might be in the Chase Daniel, you're now a perpetual backup category, a uh, Tyrod Taylor to an extent, right? Maybe Tyrod Taylor is what he becomes now on a QB needy team, a team that has a young guy. He, he comes in as the backup. If an injury occurs, he's a guy you trust. Baker Mayfield, I have no idea if it was the injury that he suffered in, in Cleveland last year. Right. The, the shoulder is what it was, yep. right? Yep. I know it wasn't, it wasn't his throwing shoulder, correct? It was the opposite one. But you still use the motion. No, I think it was his throwing shoulder. Whatever it was, it was yeah. not good. And I, I still remember this one hit vividly. He went through the contact on that injured shoulder, right? Yep. He fought through it, and Cleveland still threw him away after that. I have a feeling that if he would have known what was going to happen, he would have sat out the rest of the season. Because well, I don't I think I think that injury potentially ruined his career. And that's what it looks like. Because he was not this bad at any point of his tenure in Cleveland. I understand Carolina's not good, but you still have DJ Moore. You still have a few weapons down there. We've never seen Baker look this bad. No, it's been it's been a mess. Um, but I, you know, I got to tell you, at some point, is it not maybe him as a like just as a person, as a teammate? I mean, he just he seems to wear out his welcome pretty quick, and that's why I wonder, like, if you're a team that needs a backup quarterback, do you want that guy? Do you do you want him as your backup? Because you mentioned like Chase Daniel, Tyrod Taylor, those are guys who, by all accounts, man, they're good teammates. The good dudes in the room. You got to have a certain temperament to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. You're prepared every week. You're ready every week. You, you know, you're you're a conscientious guy. You're a hard worker. You're a team first dude. Baker's gonna have to really humble himself at this point, man. Like he's gonna have to really humble himself because if he doesn't, I think you're gonna have a lot of teams that are just gonna go, yeah, man. You know, what? we're good. We're good. Like you're not talented enough. For us, to, for us to make this worth our while. Um, it's amazing in the NFL how quick things change. He won a playoff game in January of 2021. And there was a lot of conversation that offseason about should Cleveland give him $40 million a year? Should they lock him up long term? And, man, I mean, you turn around now and he is, he is on waivers. Like, it, it happens fast in the NFL. It really does. Just stick with acting is what he should do. He's a good actor. I'll give him that. I will, I will grant him that. Get into acting. Uh, before we move on, very quickly, do you think he gets picked up this year by a team? And if so, does he start a game this season? So he'll, he'll get uh, 
picked up. I mean, if you're the Niners, do you put in a waiver claim for him? Maybe. I, you know, no. I Niners, Rams, Jets. Yeah, Jets. God, could he be starting a playoff game this year? <laughs> Think That's of that. Right. <laughs> Him and Jack Wilson in a quarterback room—that'd be something. Man alive! I want the Cardinals to claim him just just so we can have the full implosion. That's what I want. I want I want Kingsbury Big. He's my guy. Claiming him. Oh my god, I'm here for it all. Some team will claim him. Some team will pick him up. Um I I I think though like I've seen people say Houston. If you're Houston though, you want to lose. Like you don't yeah. like why? What's the point? You know, like I Well he'll help you lose. Yeah, but not as much as Kyle uh Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen will. <laughs> Kyle Allen's QBR on a scale of one to hundred is three point four. Now, I will also say QBR, I have questions about QBR because Mahomes was given a 90 QBR against Cincinnati. Not that it was bad, but like he was given a 90. Burrow was given a 71. I, I must, have, must have missed all those incompletions Burrow had in that game. I mean, my God. But in any event, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he starts a, a game that's on a competitive team this year. I don't. I, I, I don't think he does. But the NFL is weird. You know, the NFL is a weird place, man. Like, I, I'll i tell you, if I'm Seattle, I'd put in a claim just to block San Francisco. Like, just to sit him, I, I would I would claim him. You know, because if I'm the Seahawks, I don't want the Niners anywhere near. Let's get into, into the future, number three. Will the Raiders make the playoffs? No, I don't think they will, but I found this interesting. Look, they started out the year 2-7 and seven, like complete garbage. You're like, all right, it's the Raiders. What else is now? Like, of course, they fell short of expectation. Then Raiders started to win some football games, beat the Broncos, went on the road, beat Seattle, then beat the Chargers at home. The Chargers, of course, found a way to lose that game. The Raiders' next three games, Rams on Thursday night, they're winning that game. Home to the Patriots, could very well win that game. At Pittsburgh, like, you could make a real easy case they're eight and seven. Now, the problem is the last two games are the Niners and the Chiefs. Now, Brock Purdy, I don't know. Like, I, I the problem for the Raiders is I don't think they can do anything else against the rest of that team. But the Raiders are going to have a shot. Like, I, my, my gut says no. My gut says they will beat the Rams. They'll split with the Pats and the Steelers. And then I think they lose to the Niners, and at that point you have nine losses. And I think you're you know you're seven and nine going to play a Chiefs in a game that doesn't matter anymore. But it's interesting. Like you look at them and go, I don't think they're going to do it, but it's not crazy. Like they actually have played themselves into having a chance. Um, but I, I don't think they get that far. By the way, if you want, if you're a person who cares about these things. Uh, over at 538, which I you know, people know, I'm sure at this point, I enjoy this. Um, they have a 16% chance to make the playoffs. If they beat the Rams, it only ticks up to 20%. Of course, it doesn't include other results. So um, we shall see. But I think, the, you know, the, I don't think they get there, but they at least made it somewhat interesting. Ever since Derek Carr cried, ever since the crying that is true. The podium, I do feel to an extent, bad for Derek Carr. I that think guy, so. 
that guy cares about the organization the way if he was a quarterback of your team, you would love to see. The Chiefs are lucky with Mahomes, Josh Allen with Buffalo, you know, uh, Joe Burrow with, with Cincinnati. But it's easy, too, when you have success. There's not been a lot of success going on with the Raiders. The fact that Derek Carr wants to continuously stay with the Las Vegas Raiders, that's what you want to see. I know he's not elite. I know he's not. But he's had a very nice season getting on the same page with Devontae Adams. I don't think they make the playoffs, but you're right. It is interesting as the schedule, these upcoming three games for them is very light. Uh, Let's look into the future number four. Do the Ravens make the playoffs if Lamar misses three-plus games? I think so, but I would be nervous if I was a Ravens fan because you now you got a big win on Sunday because the Broncos are just brutal. Oh, my God, man. You can't get in the end zone once? Holy hell. I, God, God, Denver, my God. Uh, but Baltimore, they're 8-4. They're in 8-4. They play Pittsburgh on the road, Cleveland on the road, and Atlanta at home the next three weeks. If they don't have Lamar for those three games, I think they're like one and two in those games. I, I don't think they're beating Pittsburgh or Cleveland on the road without Lamar Jackson. The defense has not been good. Uh, and then you have Atlanta. I, 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 think, I think you maybe get yourselves like nine and six. Um, and then you have Pittsburgh at home and, and you have Cincinnati on the road. I think you get to ten. But it's bad news, man. Like, their offense has not been good lately, even with Lamar Jackson. Without him, that's a, I mean, that's a real thing. And, like, you also wonder with this stuff, like, how hurt is he? Like, is he, is he good in three weeks? Is he good in two weeks? It's just one of these things where he's not right all year long, the rest of the year. Like, I don't know. Um, I think they find a way to get in, though. I do. But I don't think they, um, I don't think they win the division. I think Cincinnati's going to find a way. Yeah, I'm with you when it comes to Cincy winning this division now. I do think Lamar misses three-plus weeks, maybe even four. I think they still find a way. They have a two-game lead on the Patriots, the Chargers, uh, three games up on the Raiders. They've stacked up enough wins at this point. They go one and three. They're probably still in at this point. They're still probably in the driver's seat whenever Lamar comes back. Uh, Now, if Lamar is forced to miss the rest of the regular season, I don't know. But to put it in perspective, you're right. Lamar's not been spectacular this this season to begin with. Their offense has struggled a lot. So take it as you will. I will say, how the hell do they find a way to win against Denver? Denver, I know we've talked about it all season long, how bad they've been. That feels like one of the biggest collapses this year. If you can't beat Tyler Huntley... I mean, come on. I, I just think Denver's to a point, man. And I could be wrong. With this. I, I think Denver's just absolutely flat out giving up at this point. I, I think offensively, they know they have no answers. Um, I, I, I think Denver just they, – they, they can't score points. They can't do anything. They, they, they can never score. It's incredible. They are the worst offensive team I think I've ever seen. Like I'm sure statistically I'm wrong with that, and there's some other team that I've seen that's like, but I I can't remember watching a team that it's stunning when they move the ball 20 yards. They are brutal, absolutely brutal. But you know who's not brutal? Heisler, Ben Heisler of Bedsided coming in, joining the show as per his usual. 
for all things week 14. Uh, I don't even know how we did this past week betting-wise. Ho- hopefully better than uh, the, the, the Chiefs did. Put me through Roger. Um, uh, Heisler, how you doing? I'm good. Verter, are you going to introduce me to your new co-host? I, I don't think I've, I've recognized this uh, – this new this new face before we used to have a guy fourteen year old. What happened to him? Looks like a child. I hate it. This is what happens when you bet a mustache on a game. So so, Shit. who did you bet the mustache on? Like who? who... The Chiefs to to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So so you bet you bet a mustachioed Bengals fan they were going to have to shave theirs if they left. No no, it's been a uh, winning streak mustache. For the Kansas City Chiefs. I said, once the Chiefs lose a game, it'll be shaved. It was more of a bet with myself, ah. maybe with some the fact that I needed it gone because it was try eating soup with that bad boy. <laughs> in Good luck. Doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound appealing, but uh, it, it'll grow back. You, you've had it once before. It'll come back again. Uh, Verneram, to your point, we uh, we went one and one last week. Had a shot to go two and oh, but. Uh, Bad beat at the end of the 49ers-Dolphins game where it looked like there was a shot that Tua might have had the ball going forward. It was not. Uh, 49ers returned it to the end zone that uh, defeated our under at 47. We did get a break, though, because the Commanders and Giants, we had under 41. It was tied 2020 going into overtime, and we got the tie, baby. That's an under. So we'll take the one in one week uh, heading into now week 14. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ties coming through in a big way. Um, what are we, soccer fans? We're betting Apparently fans. now we are. That's what we are. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's get into it. Week 14. Um, it's an okay slate of games. Not bad. You got the Jets and the Bills. You got the Dolphins and the Chargers. Um, there are some decent games in there. Uh, Niners and Bucks. So we, we'll, we'll get to some of this. But uh, – what are we looking at lines-wise here on uh, the, the, the betting side of things? You're, you're certainly a little bit more grass is green or, or not no, glass half full, already screwing up expressions at 11.35 uh, Central Time on a Tuesday. Um, I, there's a couple games that are intriguing. Um, I, I kind of separated our list today. Normally go through the top three games as far as, we, as uh, you know opportunities and odds go. There's two on the board that right. I think are worth discussion, but there's also been two games – that we'll talk about it in a minute. That's seen massive line movement, and I'm I'm not really sure why. So um, we've been trying to track it down, get some uh, information over at Betside. We're going to talk to some of the odds makers that made the move uh, a little bit later on throughout the course of the day. But I'm curious to get your guys' perspective on it. So let's start with Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Obviously, a lot has changed in the past really 12, 13 hours with regards to this yep. game. Buccaneers couldn't move the ball against New Orleans yet again. Brady has consistently struggled against Dennis Allen's defense. Then all of a sudden, the final, what, 308, they put up 14 points, end up winning that game 17-16. Coincidentally, the line really hasn't moved that much. It's been 49ers, even without Jimmy Garoppolo, as a three and a half to a four-point favorite at home against Tampa Bay with the total just way down low, 37 to 37 and a half. I I wrote yesterday at at Betside that even though the 49ers defense is as – outstanding as one can expect they're anywhere between minus 400 and minus 500 right now with the game lead over seattle to win the nfc west you can find the seahawks close to plus 400 to try and come back down one game in that division and i gotta tell you with brock purdy behind the helm yeah it's a different feeling 
for a team like Denver, which has had a great defense all year and a terrible quarterback versus San Francisco. But the Seahawks right. have four of their final games, four of their final five games remaining at home. The one of the road games is at Kansas City in a couple weeks. But I, I got to tell you, like I, I think Seattle right now is in a really advantageous spot to perhaps catch up to San Francisco down the stretch. They have a head-to-head game coming up next week. I, I kind of look at this 49ers-Buccaneers matchup as I just don't know what you're going to expect from Brock Purdy. And coincidentally, even though the Bucs haven't been able to make the, the moves that they needed to, Brady still showed up at the end of the game. So right now I think I am leaning on the Buccaneers uh, at plus four only because they have that opportunity to at least backdoor cover here when the 49ers finally allowed some points and just don't have the same type of feel on offense with Mr. Irrelevant leading the charge. Yeah, I'm taking the Bucs to cover that game. Uh, I am not taking Brock Purdy to cover a spread against Tom Brady. I don't care. I don't care about anything else that's involved. <laughs> I, I'm not doing that. That seems like a really bad idea. So I will take Tampa to cover all day, every day. I don't know if they win, whatever. Maybe they just can't do anything around Brady, but I think they'll cover. Man. But you saw what they did to the Miami Dolphins, right? Tua Tagovailoa, all the talk this year about potential underdog MVP candidate. Tua's been way better. Miami's been way better than Tampa Bay. Jimmy G went out early, early, early. And Brock Purdy and that team, the Niners, were able to get it done. I'll go with you guys because I trust your your betting way more than myself. But I have no faith in this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team to score many points. They beat a bad New Orleans team. Verrim, you and I talked about it. The Niners are the least dependent on a quarterback of any team in the NFL. I would personally go with the Niners, but because you two are smarter than myself, I will defer to you. You bring up an interesting point about Miami because up until last week, Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa had been undefeated when Tua had played an entire game. The big difference for Miami, and Verderam, you and I discussed this on Thursday's show, on the betting show, without Karen Armstead and the Dolphins' starting right tackle, whose name escapes me, they're completely Austin different. Jackson. And, and that first play where they had Trent Schofield from, uh, you know, on a, on a crossing route. Um, after that, they, they Tua didn't have time to throw. He looked uncomfortable. Now he's dealing with an ankle injury. Like, it just wasn't set up well, I think, for Tua without those offensive tackles where he can rely on and feel constant in the pocket. He was not accurate. And if two is not accurate, you have no chance of winning because that's his biggest strength. You're, you're right. Well, the Bucks have no no tackles either. Let's be real here. What? Tristan Wirfs is injured, and uh, the left tackle, number 76, got destroyed yesterday. I mean, they won in spite of him. Sure. Does that Niners-Dolphins game – we don't have to go like, deep in the weeds on this. Does that game say more about the Dolphins or the Niners? I think it says more about the Dolphins. Like when you two is one of those. It's, it's like if you're like. I, I think the best way to describe it is, and maybe this is an argument against Tua's MVP campaign. Even though he's had a terrific year, when you have the he's not giving. Come on, he's had a, he's had an MVP caliber. Like he's in the conversation. He's not going to win it, but he's in the he's in the conversation based on the numbers that he's put up. If you you need everything around Tua to be successful for him to be successful, right? Like that's been proven this year for a guy like Mahomes or even to a certain extent, like 
Justin Fields based on, on sort of how everything is lined up in Chicago. Like those are the guys that make everybody else around them better. I, I don't think you can say that for, for Tua at this point. Like you get the wide receivers, you get the really good offensive line, you get the playmakers around him, head coach, schematics, everything sets up so that everything elevates and then he kind of takes that and moves forward. He's not the guy that's going to elevate everybody else around him. So that's why I think it says more about the Dolphins. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I mean, I I think you said it right. They when the Dolphins play bad teams, they light them up. But when the Dolphins this year have played good defenses, they've struggled to light teams up. And that that's where like Buffalo lights everybody up. Chiefs light most people. Like everybody, like the Bengals light. Like, it it just feels different with Miami. All right, so that's game number one on the slate. Second game that I think is worth discussing is the aforementioned Miami Dolphins. They are anywhere between three and three and a half point favorites on the road against the LA Chargers this week. Total in that game from 51 and a half to 52 and a half. I'm going to personally wait to wager on this game until I know which of Tua's starters are going to be playing and whether or not Tua is going to be anywhere close to being able to play. Like that's an ankle injury that they might decide they need to rest him for. I don't know if they think it's going to be an advantageous movie has a little bit more time because it's a Sunday night game, but I like the total. I think if you get it at 51 and a half, that's a reasonable play. It's probably my lean right now, as opposed to taking a side for the chargers who up until the game against Kansas city had been terrible covering the spread at home versus the Miami team that had done a nice job covering with two in the game. Now you just don't know what his health status is along with the rest of the offensive line. I mean, Miami should run circles around the chargers run defense, right? Like yeah. Yeah. Wilson should have a big game. If most are healthy, like they don't necessarily need to rely on Tua. So maybe I lean Miami here just because Mike McDaniel has proven himself as a quality head coach. While Brandon Staley has continued to make the same mistakes that have haunted him the past two years. So perhaps I give the coaching advantage and then the spread advantage to a team like Miami. But ultimately I just need to know more before I consider wagering on this game. Yeah, I don't need to know anymore. Uh, I would take the Dolphins to cover this game. I- I've seen the Chargers enough to last me a lifetime. A lifetime. I, I even wrote about it in Stack in the Box in my parting shot this past week. Like, I don't I don't want to hear about the Chargers anymore. I'm just done with it. I said all week, and I picked it, the Raiders were going to beat the Chargers. The Chargers are absolutely going to go in there like the frauds they are and get beat the same way they get beat every single week. Give up a million yards on the ground, dink and dunk with Herbert, make dumb mistakes, and just invent ways to lose. And guess what? They got torched on the ground, and Herbert threw for five yards a clip until the fourth quarter. Like, by the way, at some point, maybe like a bonus episode, we have to have a real conversation about Herbert here. Like, we've gotten to a point, I get he's talented. They never win anything. They never win a game. I mean, you, you're playing the Raiders. You couldn't score more than 20 points on that defense? Kyler Murray did that. They're the most dysfunctional team in the league. The Broncos did that. The Broncos scored more than 20 points. You can't do it? I mean, at some point here, it is like, – look, I think, I think there are other bigger problems on the Chargers for sure. But, like, can you ever pull a game out of the fire? Ever? I mean, at some point, it does also become upon you. Give me the Dolphins all day in this game. All day in this game to beat the Chargers. The the only question I have is the Chargers are a team that totally played a competition. 
We've seen him against Kansas City. Herbert does not dink and dunk. It feels like when they go up against elite quarterbacks and elite offenses, they finally unleash Justin Herbert. The only issue is they're still not good enough. I'm with you. I will go with the Dolphins, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a lot of dinking, dunking from Herbert. This feels like one of the, what, four games a season where we sit here and go, wow, this is why Justin Herbert is this talented. We see it against Kansas City, and we see it sometimes against other teams with explosive offenses when they are forced to try and keep up. I think we'll probably see Justin Herbert try and keep up against Miami this week. The one spot that the Chargers have been a home underdog this year, they covered the spread by two and a half points against Kansas City. Lost the game by three. So depending on where this line moves, maybe there is a little bit of value on the Chargers to at least keep it close. But to Verderam's point, Miami doesn't need to prove anything to them other than can they run the ball? And nearly every team in the league has said, yes, we can. Against, But will they? Will they? But will they? I think they will. Jeff Wilson got one carry for three yards. Raheem Mostar got, what, 10 carries for 30? Something about there, 10 for 30? Yeah. But again, you're talking about a 49ers front that's been elite at stopping the run all season versus arguably the worst run-stopping team in the NFL, right? Like, Mike McDaniel is a first-time head coach, and he's going to make mistakes. And there's been a, a viral clip of him going around saying, like, I fucked up. So he's more than willing to put some responsibility on his own end and make changes. Like he's going to look based, based on like where he comes from, the Kyle, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, Shanahan coaching tree. He's going to run the ball. Like if you had to, to tell me like which of the top NFL coaches going up against the chargers is going to make the mistake of not running the ball. I, I just don't think Mike McDaniel is going to be that guy. So I lean with Verderam. I, I would lean chargers. I'd probably also lean over. Um, or I'm sorry, I'd lean Dolphins um, and, and over. But for now, need to wait uh, on whether or not Tua is going to play and whether or not the offensive tackles from Miami are going to be in there as well. So those are two games I think are the most interesting games on a, on a weaker Week 14 slate. This is a crazy line move from where it first opened. It, two of them have moved a lot. I don't think the second one is as, as, as substantial. I'll start with the lower one first. The Panthers opened up at six-point dogs on the road against Seattle. That line has moved to Panthers plus three and a half on the road against the Seahawks. Something to consider heading into that game. The biggest discrepancy has been the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings opening up as a two and a half to three point favorite on the road against the Detroit Lions. That line has completely reversed you guys. It's now the Lions at home approaching three point favorite territory against the Minnesota Vikings. This is basically an indictment of Minnesota finding all these ways all season long to win and the numbers just not backing it up. Like the sports books are going to be begging Minnesota to cover this game because they have they have gotten so much money on the Lions side that maybe the public ends up taking the Vikings. It feels like a big trap game for casual bettors. Oh, Minnesota's a substantially better team. They're leading the division. They're two and a half point dogs on the road. Of course they'll take them. It's the Lions. I think what it's starting to show you is that the Lions said they were going to make some adjustments in the second half on both their offense and their defense. And it's starting to come through. You're starting to see a much better Lions team. Whether or not that shows through against the Vikings, I'm not sure. But it's clearly an indication that those in Vegas believe the Lions are the deserving favorites based on where the line has moved and where the money has moved this week. You know what? It'll be interesting. I, uh, I I don't get why Carolina is only getting three and a half, but 
Yeah, I actually think like the Lions, I get it. Um, the Lions have played very well lately. So I could see that. The Panthers, why don't I mean, I don't get the Vikings one. I'll say it. I don't. I, I get it. They had that horrendous game against Dallas. And I understand that the underlying numbers aren't great. But what do we say in the NFL? Win. I don't care how you get there. Just win. They've found ways to win. They've found ways to beat the New York Jets. The Jets, who have been a great story all season long. I get it. It's Mike White. But what do they do? Found a way to win. And by the way, this is a noon game. What does that mean? Noon Kirk Cousins. That matters. Noon Kirk Cousins, you know I'm riding with. You know, by the way, you know who else wins? Uh, Morocco, who just shocked Spain in the World Cup in penalty kicks. Oh, that's not good the, for my bank account. That's a shame. Ooh, the, the goaltender, the goalkeeper for Morocco made all three saves they had to make in penalty kicks. One ball hit the post, and then he saved two others, and Morocco scored on three of their first four kicks. Good night. Uh, Spain is through at the World Cup, and not in the not in a good way. Not like they're through to the next round; like they're through. They are going on. Is there is there an equivalent in sports of missing a penalty kick? Is it like a free throw at the end of the game to ice it? Like I, I just because of of what the percentages should be versus what they often are. Something to think about, like. I don't know what the what the uh, like what is the conversion rate on a penalty kick? I have no idea. I know it's high. For for the best players in the world that basically force a keeper to dive one side or another, yeah. I don't know how you miss it. And again, like you're talking to a guy who played in the Sporting Kansas City media game like five years ago and completely <laughs> whiffed on a cross from. Uh, from Ellen McNamara, then of KCTV five news and uh, had to get bailed out on a, on a goal. Uh, and that clip is floating around on social media somewhere that I hope nobody ever finds, but I just brought it up. So it's going to happen. Um, All right. What, what, what do you think? All right. I saw this, a good tweet yesterday. The United States on your back to, to win for the United States. You have a, a penalty kick. got to make it a free throw team wins or a six foot putt. Which one are you trusting? I'll take the free throw. I would take the penalty kick all day. If I can't hit that, I can just go home. What's funny is I think no one's taking the putt. I'm a massive not, golfer. Not a You're telling me the entire no, world no, is no. watching me on a six-foot putt? That bad boy is getting shaked. No, my, my, <laughs> my hands would be collectively Dude, shaking holding the putter. The, I'm wearing a master's hat right now. There is zero not chance. Not because you played me. No, and I've been there. No chance. I'm fucking missing that free throw for sure. I'm going free throw. Yeah, free throw would be my second choice. Like I and I like golf. I play golf. Uh, I'm not going to say religiously, but I play golf a decent amount. And and the best part of my game is putting. Same. Um, <laughs> but I almost think those those types of putts are harder than the putts that are like 12 feet in somewhere because. You you almost like psych yourself out on those like four foot, five foot, six foot, like ten or twelve feet. You're like, all right, you get a line and you try to hit, you try to like get it up close, and then you you know maybe you get it in there. Um, I remember one time I went golfing with a buddy of mine, and I hit a ball out of the fringe, and I I mean 
like a deep, it was probably about, I don't know, 50 feet to the pin, 55, but it, it was up like a steep embankment. So you couldn't really, you could just see the top of the flag. You couldn't see the actual hole itself. I hit the ball. And I thought I hit it pretty good. I couldn't find the ball for five minutes. Like I looked all over the place and found it in the cup, almost had a stroke. It's the best job <laughs> I've ever hit in my life. I didn't, didn't even see it. But like I, 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 the point is, I'm not good enough at golf. I never even considered it was in the hole. Like I was like, ah, oh, crap, <laughs> shot it over. Like I was looking all over the place. My buddy was finally like, hey, man, it's in the cup. Um, no, that six foot knee knocker. There's no way in hell. I'm not going there. Hey, hey, Ben, over under club throws playing golf with Verderam, two and a half. That's a good one. I I actually think I would take the under because I feel like Verderam on the golf course would be like, fuck it, I'm here to have a good time. Like, if, I'm, if I miss a putt, I shake a shot. Okay, whatever. At least. At least I don't have to, to deal with the Chiefs right now. That, yeah. Right. I, I feel like you'd actually be be fairly mellow on the course. When I was younger, like when I was in like high school or college, Sterling would have won that bet. I <laughs> I many times launched the club as far as I could down the fairway because <laughs> I, I, I chunked a, a shot or whatever. Now I'm high school, you would win. Now I'm much more like, look, man, I'm going to smoke a cigar. And I'm just looking for the drink cart, and I don't care. Yeah. Like I, I'm an average at best. Like I'll shoot in the mid 90s. I'm cool with it. I don't care. That's fine. And I got a rule: you hit the ball in the woods. If you can find the ball, you put it out on the rough. It's good. No stroke penalty. I'm doing it. <laughs> no wonder well, you're shooting middle 90s, dude. Well, well, <laughs> no, that, we got no, that is a factoring in there. Um, no, it, it, when I was younger, that probably happened about 10 times around. Now that probably happens like two times around. But, uh, I mean, I'm I'm weird in the sense my irons are the key. Like, I'm pretty consistent driving. I'm pretty consistent putting. I can have days with my irons where I play really well with them. I can have other days where it is just like, oh, my God. I might as well putt from 200 yards out. Like, I'm better off. Oh, I've thought of that. So, yeah. I, like, yeah. It, it's, it, I feel like at least – two, three times around, I get full-on golf yips where all of a sudden I'm just, like, lining up for a shot and I I don't remember how to turn my body and I don't remember what <laughs> it's supposed to feel like. And so I'll go up and I'll, I'll turn into my backswing and I'm like, wait a minute, like, something doesn't feel right. And then eventually, like, by the time Are I Are you start, stoned or something? <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what high school means. I, just, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I, well, I also got into golf late. Like I, I got into golf once my, my first son was born. He's, he's about three and a half. And like, I been like a 20 year absence and I was sick of like my dad and my brother playing on vacations. And I would like, not that I don't love my, my mother and my younger sister um, and my wife, but like I would right, end up hanging no out with them instead of going to play golf with my dad and my brother. And I was like, you know what, this is going to change. So I'm, I'm terrible, but I play fast. I feel like that's, that's oh, a yeah. good happy medium. Like I am ready play golf, um, and I'll lose a bunch, but I, I love the game too much to, uh, to to give it up and to try to you know start start getting back from scratch. We know what we're doing when it warms up. The boys are going to hit the golf course, and we're throwing money on it. We'll let the 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 listeners bet on I'm not us. throwing money on. I, shit. I like I'm, not I'm not good. I'm not. Hey, I'm not good either. 50. Come on, huh? I'm not great. We let's go to Top Golf and just see who can hit the ball the furthest. I'm involved in that. All right, I'm in. I'll, I'll throw my back out, but let's do it. You um, ain't winning. I'm in. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not winning that one too. But I'll I'll gladly have a few beers and hit some balls at Top Golf. All right, that's the whole thing. I just want to enjoy golf. Yeah. I don't like. I got enough crap in my life that I stress <laughs> out about. Like, I just want to go out there and drive. Buddy, who I always play with, <coughs> he uh, great dude, great dude, and he like the kind of person like you you can't help like get along with. There's, I, I I don't know anybody who like dislikes him. Does not a drinker, not a drinker at all. When we go golfing, he will have a couple of couple of drinks. And one time, a couple of years ago, we must have went out. And man, the way the course is laid out that we always go to back when I'm home in New York is like you're going uphill on the third tee, and then adjacent to that on the left hand side is the sixth fairway. So you're coming down and like they're right next to each other with a very thin row of trees separating these two holes. And my buddy just buggy whips a drive. I mean, cranks it, but it's, it never gets more than about 10 feet off the ground. And it's a missile going left. And he just like kind of haphazardly is like, ah, fuck four, four <laughs> ball hit like the very top of this guy's golf cart. Thank God. Thank God. It had enough clear. And it, like, skipped off the top and went firing into the woods. The guy's screaming at you. He's like, ah, I didn't hit you. Shut up. Shut up. Like, that, <laughs> that's my version of golf. Like, just it's haphazard. It's chaos. But I also, we play best ball. Like, I want to get there and get rolling. Yeah. Like, we play four hours with best ball. I just, you know, we eat. We stop to eat. Like, I, I'm all about keeping it moving. Keep pace with golf. It's got to be gotta be the case and uh if you're if you're one of the guys that's searching for your ball for more than three minutes let people play out. let people play yeah out. agreed all right so i've got four i've got four bets on the on the board for this week uh, i'll get a little yay or nay from you guys before before i head on out um the one that uh you might have read about in uh Verderam's monday morning piece uh i like the titans minus three and a half against jacksonville this week granted i i made that bet before they decided to fire their general manager uh, which yeah. happened, uh, what, about like 20, 30 minutes ago or so as we were going live on the show. So I'll take the Titans. They've just blown the doors off of Jacksonville over the last several games. Um, Titans are the best third-down defense in the NFL. Jaguars are beat up a little bit. I, I, I like them to bounce back. They've been too consistent all year. Took the Panthers at plus six. Again, I think Seattle can win that game, but especially with that line moving to three and a half, I, I feel pretty good about taking Carolina where they're at. Um, I decided to middle the Chiefs and the Broncos game, even though I the Chiefs should absolutely take care of business, but the Broncos have been the, the best under team to bet on in the NFL. And you never know with this Kansas City team, just which, who's going to show up. You know that they're going to win uh, because it's been since middle of 2015 since the Broncos have beaten them. And I don't think this is going to be the year, especially coming off of the Bengals loss. Um, but you're still getting two points in the middle between Broncos plus nine and a half and Chiefs minus seven and a half. And then I like the Detroit Lions to put up some points this week. Should be a fun matchup. Total of 52, 53 and a half uh, in Denver and Minnesota. But I like the Lions to go above their team total of 26 and a half points. So Titans minus three and a half. Panthers plus six. I think I would even take it down to four and a half. I don't like it now at three and a half. Uh, middling the Chiefs minus seven and a half and the Broncos plus nine and a half and the team total on the Detroit Lions at over 26 and a half. How are we feeling about those boys? Love the Titans bet. Love the Lions bet. The Chiefs bet, so you're taking it essentially if they're going to cover seven and a half points? I, I'm basically right saying 
if eight or nine chiefs win by eight or nine. Yeah. One, one of them, one of them is going to win. The other one is going to lose. If the chiefs don't win by eight or nine points, if they win by eight or nine points, both bets head. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll tell you my fair bet in that game is the under. I mean, what is it? 43 right now. One of the lower unders that we've seen for a chiefs game in a long, long time. Yeah. But like my God, Denver doesn't score a point. Like for you to, so like my thing is like, I get the chiefs. I get it. Like defensively, they're coming off that Bengals game. This is not the Bengals. The Rams, they gave up 10 points. The Titans, they gave up 17 points. The, the Jags, they gave up 17 points. The Rams are comparable because the Rams have nobody left. The Titans and, and the Jags, even with Malik Wells, they're better offenses than, than Denver. Denver cannot score a point. Like, and as much as the Chiefs, I agree, God knows, you can get any game, any week out of that team sometimes. They win these games in this division. They just do. Like, they're always prepared for these teams in the division. I, like, let's, let me ask you guys real quick. Does and Do either one of you think Denver scores more than 10 points in this game? Nope. Unless it's like a late backdoor cover, which is why. Okay. But it, it, they're going to go into the fourth quarter with less than 10. I think the ceiling for them is like 13 points. And this is coming from someone who, by the way, Fully expects to be screaming at the Chiefs with about 13 minutes to go in the game. Okay. They do. But I think the Chiefs will win like 23 to 10, 23 to 13. Like Denver's defense is good, but their offense is just a travesty. And you know, with Andy, to borrow a phrase from soccer, if they get up 10 points in this game, they are parking the bus. Like, they are just going to be like, that's it. We're good. We're not showing anything else the rest of the game. Like, they should beat this team by 30 points, but they won't. They will make it as close as possible without making it too close. I I, I just don't see how this game gets over the 43-point the total. I mean, unless you think the Chiefs are scoring 30, which I don't think they're going to in this game, I, I think it's an easy under bet. I don't mind it. What about you, Sterling? Are you are you leaning one way or another with it? I like the under. I like the under. As far as all four of your bets go, um, I'm with them. The Lions team total over is a little intriguing. Does this mean you have the Lions beating the Vikings? Because if so, would you take the Vikings-Lions total over instead of just the Lions over? Um, I don't know yet. And, and the only reason I say that is because – I need to figure out whether or not the Lions defense is actually good or not. Most of the year, the answer to that question has been no. The last few weeks, they've looked noticeably better. Now, again, the Vikings can put up points. And you mentioned it's a Cousins afternoon game. His numbers are ridiculous. Jefferson, Cook, both of them coming off of really strong games against a good defense last week. I I, I just think that could be the, the limiting factor. And when you see so much movement towards one team, and nothing towards Minnesota on the other side, like that, that gives me cause for concern that that the Lions could blow them out. And you know, well, wait, wait till you get my three dollars on the Vikings. So that's going to really make a big shift, right? So get ready for that there one. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the, the books are waiting for that bet to come in. They can adjust accordingly. Now line change. Um, New line change. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I'm with you though. I like like I like the, the middling with the Chiefs game. I think that's probably a good bet because I think they probably do cover it. Like they just. I think it's one of those games where they just they just muddle through the entire game and they piss off everybody and they win by like 13 points. Um, 
The only one I'm a little nervous about is Carolina, but I'm going to roll with you because you know more about uh, betting than I do. So I'm, 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 I'm willing to jump on board. I don't, I don't like feel really strongly about Seattle. So I'm fine with that. All right. Really, really quickly. Any, any thoughts on that futures play? Do you, you think the, the Seahawks could, could sneak up, uh, take away that division from the 49ers? They have, if, if they win on week 15, it's a head to head matchup right, in Seattle. Play. They're tied for that division as long as, um, yeah, like even if both teams went out, then it's just a matter of tiebreakers. But Seattle's got four of their last five games at home, except the, the one lone game is in Kansas City. I'll stay with San Francisco, but I don't think it's a bad bet. It, the value is good. Yeah. The value that's, is good. That's what I think, too. Yeah. Same thoughts. Value is good. I wouldn't do it because I do think San Fran wins even with Brock Purdy. But the value seems pretty interesting. Uh, if you're a big better, I see why you do that. Again, Ben, in your words, bet on the number, not on the team. There you go. Look at what we've accomplished together. This is a good thing. Look at that. Uh, little kumbaya to close things out. All right. Beautiful. Heisler, thanks for being here, man. As usual, as always, check out BetSided, fansided.com backslash BetSided. Make sure to check out BetSided on Twitter and on YouTube, the Daily Bet Slip. All good things. And, of course, doesn't matter what sport you're into, BetSide has got you covered. So make sure to check all that out. Heisler, thanks for being there, man. Really appreciate it. All right, fellas. Verderam, I'll see you Thursday, and I will see you both in person on Sunday over at Tanner's in Kansas right. City. Looking forward to it. That's right. That's right. Can't wait to see you, man. Right, Take see care. See you. All right. What's going on in your life? Christmas time, baby. It's Beautiful. time. After Thanksgiving, you know what that means? It's official. Get it out. Throw on some Frank Sinatra, some Dean Martin. Get going. Got the old train track getting set up in the in the basement, you know, really going all in. Got one of those those electronic toys. They're uh they're the German brand. Fancy oh. stuff over here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh getting that stuff steps. That's fun. And if you want a good Christmas album, Socks by JD McPherson. Really good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I got I got my Christmas village in the in the dining room set up. Uh, I got the Christmas tree up. Got the lights on the house. I've got the inflatables in the yard. Um, I'm also I, I would have the stockings up, but I, I ordered uh, brand new stockings uh, because we had. Uh, I'm I'm gonna call myself out. We had some bullshit stockings. You know, we had these <laughs> stockings that have like like we got them from Kohl's, and it was like the letter M and like the you know whatever like just yeah. some bullshit. And I was like, you know what? I don't know that we're growing our family any more than we already have it. I, I, my wife would love to. I, I think I would be in a home. So um, <laughs> went and got, you know, personalized stockings and everything else. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. For people who are listening, you're making the snip. Uh, the, uh, bro, I, I do it myself if, if my wife wouldn't tell me. Grab some um, scissors. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, hey, listen. It's, it is what it is. Um, but, yeah. We know, so I'll get those done. I'll get those taken care of. But the house looks good. I love Christmas. I'm all set. We have Christmas Eve Eve at the house. Uh, it's my way of celebrating Christmas without the people that you don't want to have to be stuck with. Um, you actually celebrate it with friends um, and family you want to see. And so normally it's like a 12-person gathering. This year it's like 30. So it is growing. Two rules. you got to bring something, food or drink. You've got to bring something. And you got to dress nice. You show up in a t-shirt. You show up in anything without a collar. You don't have a belt on. The fuck out. 
you you're gonna you're gonna respect Christmas Eve Eve and the holiday that it is. I can't oh, see. People I'm showing up. up. I'm showing up in my robe. It's green, okay, Christmas themed. It's fluffy. I'm rocking a robe, Timberlands, and I'd fight a, you in the street. Some eggnog. Yeah, good luck, pal. Oh, you come bring it in your robe, <laughs> your fluffy robe, right down the stairs. I, I, look, I, I, that's my one rule, people. Like, look, you come over, you got an ugly sweater or something. Okay, I'm cool with that. But like these people that roll into holidays, and it, look, these people that roll into holidays with like a t-shirt on, okay. My God, have an ounce of class. Have some dignity for once in your life. Whether it's Thanksgiving or it's Easter or, you know, whatever whatever you happen to celebrate. It's Hanukkah. I, I don't care. Whatever it is. The only holiday I'm cool with you rolling in in a T-shirt is July 4th. Because everybody dresses like an asshole on July 4th. I'm fine with that. Y'all are getting clothing advice from a dude wearing a hoodie right now. Not the guy wearing the quarter zip. Not the guy who's dressed up for our show together. I'm wearing a hat. I apologize. You're wearing a fucking hoodie over here. It's a podcast. You got sweatpants on too? I don't have basketball shorts on. Even worse, I got khakis on. I'm an adult over here. You have khakis on. What are you, you, hosting people today? got khakis over here. Just throw the khakis up there. Jeez. I don't need need to see any more inner thigh. Thanks. Look, I. you know what? When I go to Kansas City here in a few days, which, by the way, is the thing I was going to talk about, um, I will be dressed like a person. I am at home right now by myself uh, on a podcast. With all due respect to all you people, I don't really care what you think about the, the way I dress. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a hoodie. It's fine. Um, but, no, you go to – like I'll tell you. Actually, I'll, I'll – funny, like, quick 30-second story, and then Kansas City, and we're out. One year, um, guy, I was in college. And we're going to my dad's parents for Thanksgiving, which we did every year. And my dad's a big stickler for, like, you wear a collared shirt, you wear a belt, you wear dress shoes, you dress like a person, all that stuff, which I used to get on him about. Now I'm the same way. So he picks me up from my buddy's house where I had stayed the night prior, and I had forgotten to shave. Now, I do not have, like, a lot of growth at this point. Like, I was clean shaved, but I had, like, a day's worth of growth. Father is furious, furious. How could you look like that? You look like a bum. I'm like, I, I shaved like a day and a half. Ah, you look terrible. So we stop at like a like a little country store, and he and he can't find shaving cream, but he gets me a disposable razor. And he's like, you're gonna shave your face on the way over to the house. I'm like, we don't need shaving cream. So I don't I don't care. Shave your face. Like, okay. So I did. I looked like a war victim. Okay. <laughs> bleeding all over the place and cut up and walk in. I'm like, I got to use your bathroom. I got to, I got to get all the dry blood off my neck. But he made the point, like you are going to shave your face and look like a person. All right. So I never forgot that. And, uh, tell you, I'd razor burn something fierce, but, uh, I was clean shaven. I was clean shaven. That's right. Um, don't, don't annoy my dad. Um, all right. This weekend, if you're in the Kansas City area, look at that. My God, look at Sterling just, just pulled out of something he's going to park my car in. It's uh, a look. seafoam green tuxedo jacket that you and I will be rocking. You get to get orange. We'll go dumb and dumber. Oh, my God. And we're going to yeah. crush it. 
I I can't wait. I'm getting out to Kansas City Friday afternoon. Um, going to be out there. Going to be eating enough barbecue to, to take down a, a, an entire village. Look, I, I cannot wait to, to partake. Uh, I will be there again Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, I leave Monday morning. If you're in Kansas City, first of all, uh, go to Arrowhead Attic. It's all pinned on Twitter. It's on the YouTube page. RSVP on the Eventbrite link. At Tanner's, Katie Hawk, he's in the chat. He's going, all right, man. That's what I like to hear. We're going to be there all day Sunday for the game, doing a live post-game, pre-game, all that stuff uh, for the Chiefs and the Broncos. And if you're there in the city and you want to hang out, look, I'm going to be tweeting out where we'll be Friday night, Saturday night. We'll be out on the town, having a good time. I'd love to see everybody, so let us know. But I can't wait. It's about a seven-hour drive for me. I'm not flying. I'm driving. I want my car out there. I want to be able to move around. Um I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I'm showing Verderam around, so I'm excited for that. Uh, might have to leave the boss back some nights. Can't let Patrick know how wild we're going to get. I feel like it's hard. Uh, Patrick's a friend of mine, but he's also <laughs> my boss. So there's like this yin yang of like, I I can't I can't completely just do what I want to do. Because I'm like, and eh, at some point I got to be a person. My boss is here, um, so yeah, I might have to explain in a very nice way. Listen, man, you're my guy. I love you, but I got to go have 16 beers. Yeah, look the other way as I rip this shot of Malort. Ooh, ooh, Malort's just sick. You know, actually, pretty sure he was the person who made me drink Malort. That stuff is like somebody. Somebody once said, I forget who the hell it was. Malort, which if people aren't aware, it's a Chicago thing. It's a Chicago liquor. It's awful. Somebody said it tastes like pencil shavings and broken dreams. <laughs> and I was like, that is the perfect way to describe what that tastes like. That shit is terrible. If you ever look at the dude that created it, it says something like one in 49 people will enjoy the unique taste of Malort. I am not one of those one. No, I am part of the I. 48. That stuff tastes like piss. I oh my god, it is awful. I no, not a fan. But I'm looking forward to getting out to Kansas. I'll tell you one thing: I'll be at K- Casey Birko on Saturday uh, for a, a variety of reasons. I am going to load my car up in a way that is obscene. Like it's gonna, people are gonna be like, "Oh my god!" Like you should probably check into a clinic. Like it's gonna be. Know that I'll drink that over the course of like a year. But I am gonna if I can bring 300 bottles of beer, I'm doing it. Uh, just know, and I know this is horrible for podcast stuff. No one wants to care about it, but you're going to be my Uber to pick me up to go to Casey Beer Co. Because no drinking and driving. We're That's responsible right. people. That's we're, we're, absolutely. Absolutely. Ubers are going to make a killing from us this weekend. Yes. A hundred percent. Look, if I, I'm driving to Kansas City, and then like during the day, like on Saturday or whatever, I'll drive around Sunday, same deal. That car, when the sun goes down, the car turns off. Okay, nobody wants to be nobody wants to be that guy. Don't be that guy. Get an Uber, walk, crawl, whatever you got to do. Don't drive. Don't ever drive. No, no, no. Like when the when the when the sun goes down, the keys go down with it. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Listen. Thank you so much for joining us here on Stack in the Box for Sterling Holmes. I am Matt Verdam. I hope you enjoy Week 14. And if you're in Kansas City, damn it, I better see you over the course of the weekend. Can't wait to uh, see everybody. Have a great week and take care.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.